Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. You are listening to the Game Changers podcast. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Game Changers. I know so many people in this audience have such a fixation with the digital nomad lifestyle. I know so many people have the dreams and desires to leave their job and to travel full time. And I always feel pretty terrible when you share those dreams with me because I just have absolutely no idea about this stuff. Digital nomadism isn't really anything that has ever been on my goals or as a part of my vision. I am very much an Australian body. I love Australia. I love to travel Australia and I do love to travel. I absolutely love to travel the world, but you know, I have two animals and I love my home. I love my country. And so holidays are definitely my preference and holidays, which I usually don't actually end up working. So I absolutely love whenever I get the chance to sit down with someone who really has adopted that freedom lifestyle, that digital nomadic lifestyle. And today's guest is Lauren. She is one of the SBA students but she has an incredibly, incredibly powerful business because not only is she a travel influencer and she does some incredible traveling and some incredible shoots, but she also teaches other people how to do that. And in a really simple way too, you know, I'm all about that simplistic lifestyle. And I feel like there's a lot of, lot of content out there that tells you how to quit your job, but so much of it is just so confusing. And a lot of it feels out of reach. I watched a video once and it was like, grow your YouTube channel to the point where you can make a full-time living. It's like, uh, excuse me, that took me like four years. I couldn't even, st- I still couldn't even make a full-time living off my YouTube channel right now if it wasn't for my business on the side. But Lauren gives some really great instructions on how this can be a dream that you can attain really pretty quickly in your business. You know, I've seen a lot of her testimonials and they are not only making back the investment that they had in the program, but she teaches people it's not as difficult to live a digital nomadic lifestyle as people make it out to be. They think they have to have so much money. They think they need to be making more money than they need to be making in their full-time job. And usually that's just not even the case. So I love Lauren's message so much. She is such an absolute gem. She's one of the funniest people that I've ever had the chance to work with as well. Definitely want to be checking out her stories. But anyway, I feel like I'm rambling now. Honestly, even if you're not someone who wants to be a digital nomad, this episode is still going to be a really, really great one for you because we talk about things like pitching and confidence, and there's just so much good stuff in here. So without further ado, let us jump in to the episode. All right, everyone. 
everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Game Changers and another very exciting, as you guessed it, interview. I start every podcast episode, by the way, saying I'm so excited for today's interview. People must think I'm like just constantly excited. (laughs) Anyway, I have another one of the amazing, amazing SBA students on today, Lauren, and she is going to be talking to you all about freelancing work and becoming remote and all this fun stuff. So thank you so much for coming on, Lauren. Thank you so much for having me, Erin. It's so cool to actually be a guest on your podcast after listening to it for so long. (laughs) It's funny because some of the other SBA students have said that as well. And I'm just like, oh, I just love interviewing like my students and my clients because it's so amazing to be able to not only introduce unique voices to the audience, but also because I feel like sometimes in the podcasting world, you just hear the same people over and over again, telling the same stories over and over again. And Mm -hmm. that's a big part of why I don't listen to a lot of podcasts. So I absolutely love like being able to speak to so many different people and bring so many different topics to the table. And your topic is one that I know a lot of people are interested in. And especially a lot of people are going to be wanting to get back into very soon as soon as borders start opening but if it's okay do you want to just kind of do the whole classic introducing yourself and tell us a little bit about kind of your story and how you got to teaching what you do online today sure so hi guys my name is lauren and i'm a south african travel blogger and freelance writer i got into freelance writing Towards the end of 2016, I had quit my job to go teach English in Thailand. And while I was in Thailand, I decided to start freelancing as a way to earn extra money on top of what I was doing while I was there. And yeah, after my six months in Thailand, I flew back to South Africa. And then I had to make the decision, am I going to get a desk job or am I going to carry on with this freelancing thing? So decided to do the freelancing thing and I just had a goal in mind. I was like, okay, I'm just going to try and make as much each month just to cover all my basic expenses because I was back home with my mom at the time. And I did that and it's been on a roll ever since. I've always managed to earn more than my expenses and my income has just grown year over year. And it's been amazing to no longer have that salary cap because <laughs> yeah. that was really annoying as part of a, as a normal full-time salary employee. And also because I've been able to work for myself since 2016, I've been able to travel. I think I'm on 35 countries now, which is cool. <laughs> Do you know how many countries yeah. there are in the world? 197. 197. So you're yeah. a six almost. Wait. Yeah. No, that, no I wait. don't know. Max. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's going to be listening, just shaking their head right now. Okay. That's still a crap ton of countries. I want to like obviously get into all of the strategy and everything that you can offer, but I want to ask you, what is your absolute favorite country that you've traveled to? That is so hard <laughs> to choose. Um, I think in Africa, my top two would have to be Rwanda and Mozambique. But then Kenya is a close second because I spent a month and a half working there remotely. Um, So I got to really explore Kenya properly for that month. And it was amazing. And it was so affordable. Uh, And then I think in Asia, uh, it'd have to be a tie between Singapore and Bali. I've worked remotely in both those places as well. And while Singapore does have a reputation for being a bit expensive, I found it to be not that bad, especially if you eat like at the local restaurants and stuff like that. So there's so much free things to do, which is nice. (laughs) What's the best place that you've ever traveled to 
entrepreneurial wise so you know how you hear like i know a lot of people talk about bali particularly parts mm-hmm. of bali that are very like entrepreneur friendly in terms of all the countries that you've been to what would you say is the easiest to work remotely from um yeah bali does come to mind because i've done two digital nomad retreats there and there's these companies that organize it for you so you just have to fly in and then they find your accommodation and you kind of live with everyone else so you get to kind of experience I suppose like a work environment with your colleagues but you're not actually colleagues and I love those retreats because you kind of learn skills from the other digital nomads and you get to bounce ideas and you meet people from your industry or outside your industry and I've just met some incredible people through those trips yeah so wait with those trips do you go there as a freelancer and you kind of just do your own work or do they provide work for you yeah, so you have to have your own work. They literally just provide your housing, your Wi-Fi, your co-working space membership. Um, yeah, they just organize all the, the logistics, I suppose, for you. So you just have to fly in and then like you meet everyone and then you can always organize like weekend or day trips with people who are in the house with you. But you all have like your own private room and stuff like that. So you don't feel like you're on top of I've never, ever heard of that before. That's like such a cool way to network so essentially the purpose of it is so you're you're like networking with people so if you were say a solo traveler is it so that you can like meet people who are also in the same situation as you yeah essentially which is nice because they're also working full-time remotely so they kind of understand that there's a time for work and there's a time for play so I think that's also a nice vibe to have because everyone respects those boundaries and it's not like everyone's there just to be on holiday there's like everyone has their times for doing things, which is also really cool. So I want to ask you a question. I wanted to talk about this later in the podcast, but I feel like we're on the track already (laughs) because I want to talk about solo travel confidence. Like I definitely want to talk about freelancing as well, but like I've seen that you've like traveled solo quite a bit and obviously going to these retreats and things are a great way to meet people. But for someone who is like dreaming up that digital nomadic lifestyle, but maybe there's just no one in their life. Like I've got a lot of friends who do it with their husbands or they do it Mm -hmm. with their family. But I think for a lot of people, the thing that stops them is not having that person to actually just you know, jump on a plane and go live somewhere else in the world for a little while with like, what's your advice to people who are not feeling, cause I'm one of those people as well. Like I don't have a lot of confidence to travel internationally, especially for not long periods of time. I can do Australia and that's about it, but <laughs> you know, traveling, like what's your advice for people to build up that confidence traveling alone? I do think it is scary. Uh, when, when I first did it, I kind of, you know, dip my toes in it slowly, I would like travel to countries by myself, but I knew people there, for example, I had a few friends in those countries. Um, and then I started doing those digital nomad trips. And also when I started in 2016, I was very much into the whole backpacker thing. Yeah. So I would go get a private room in a hostel so that I could still meet other travelers to hang out with. But also uh, there's these really cool Facebook groups. There's, um, the, the, the blonde abroad who is like a really big travel blogger she has like a private facebook community and everyone there just like posts like hey is anyone in malta or is anyone in greece and then they have these little like mini meetups and they're like travel with each other so that's always nice you can find little pockets of like female travelers that are also solo that you can go like meet up with and explore a country with which is nice a way to meet people while you're yeah. out there by yourself 
I love that so much. It's still such like a confidence thing though, isn't it? Like even as you were talking then, like going into those groups and stuff like that, like, do you have any tips on like how people, I guess, can build up their confidence? Like, okay. So even like, let's build a scenario here, like on these entrepreneur retreats or so on these freelancer retreats, like, I don't know. How do you like go and put yourself out there and like start conversations with like people you don't know? Well, at the retreats, like what I really like is what they do is on your first day when everyone arrives, they have almost like these icebreaker activities or whatever. So everyone will go to dinner and then they'll like put it, you know, do some like whatever team building, I suppose, stuff, which is really cool because then everyone gets to know each other really quickly and it kind of breaks down those boundaries. So that you start to feel like more comfortable with people and then you don't feel like so anxious about approaching someone to go do something with you which is really nice um and also what i like about those retreats is people generally do involve like the whole group um, i haven't really been to one where people like go off and do things by themselves they always like yeah. ask someone hey do you want to come to coffee with me and then and then the co-working spaces um if you do join one those are really cool as well because they also have events and stuff like that so you can go Sometimes they'll have a presenter or they'll have like drinks. So that's another way for you to meet people within the co-working space without like disrupting their workflow. Like they create these little social pockets, which is nice. So that also breaks down those boundaries. I love that so much. And that's such a good lesson for even people who, because I actually had someone ask me literally today when I was um, on a call with someone, you know, they were asking me like, I want to build my entrepreneurial friendship group, my network. And even for those who aren't traveling, like putting yourself in situations like going to like events and networking things like that is, as you said, like such a good way to like dip your toes in if you are someone that um, you know, maybe isn't so confident to just walk up to someone on the street or just DM someone on Instagram. But I also want to say it's so interesting as well, because it's such a beautiful depiction of like, this conversation is such a beautiful prediction of like exactly the kind of paradox of social media, because I always looked at you even in SBA and I was like, man, she just like jets off into the, obviously not this year, but from looking at <laughs> pictures and your stories and things, because when you started, you're in Bali, right? Yeah. Um, and I was just like, oh, she must be so confident, you know, just to travel the world and you probably just go like meet people and do all these things. But even you said to like reduce anxiety and all of this stuff. So it's so mm-hmm. um, interesting that sometimes in our own minds, we forget that everyone goes through that anxiety and that nervousness and is scared when you're traveling overseas. Yeah, that's so true. You actually just reminded me when I was in Bali this year. Um, what's really cool about the Bali community for digital nomads is that they'll have like um, an Ubud or a Changu digital nomad group. And you either get one where there's girls and boys or you can join the one that there's just women, which is the one that I usually join. And that's really cool because those are all like long term to short term expats there. And they're constantly posting things. And there were quite a few events planned while I was in Bali and then they all got cancelled, unfortunately. But yeah, I was like looking really forward to that because there were some really cool networking opportunities there. It's like to meet people. Because also if you are someone that's interested in doing like or getting involved with like startups and stuff like that in Bali there's so many of those entrepreneurs and you can kind of like do your own little mini incubator I suppose because there's all this like really cool and entrepreneurial energy going on there 
That's and everyone's awesome. just bouncing ideas off each other, which is really cool. <laughs> That's awesome. One thing I'd love to know though is because, okay, so when I, I've traveled like quite a few times overseas since starting my business, but I always go with the intention that I'm going to like work the whole time and I'm going to create heaps of content. And then I get there and it's like, shut the laptop. Don't think about it for the entire time. That I'm there. <laughs> like I really struggle to have a routine. And I would say that I'm more of a holiday than a traveler, but like, how do you stick to a routine and make sure you're like still getting your work done when obviously you're in a new place and everything's exciting and it's harder to yeah. focus? Well, I think it's harder to focus. No, definitely. When I first started in 2016, like my first trip that I did was a month road trip around South Africa. And that was really difficult because it was my first time traveling and then having to deliver work at the same time and it took me a while to try and find the balance between okay now it's work time and then now it's exploring time and um, because what happened is then I would eventually just stay in my hotel room like the whole day like working and then it would be night and you know and you can't really do a lot of things at night so what I've done now is that I usually because I'm a photographer as well so I like shooting sunrise and sunset the most so I'll wake up early for sunrise go on submission take photos then come back to the co-working space or my hotel like around about eight or nine, have breakfast, work for a bit, take a break for lunch. Um, and then I'll probably go out to a cafe or something like that, go explore the city, walk around, come back for the late afternoon, work, and then like by four o'clock, three o'clock, stop working and then go someplace for sunset. And that's wow. kind of how I split my days at the, at the moment. So it's really like focusing on still creating some type of routine for yourself rather than kind of trying to wing it, right? Yeah. And that helps a lot because, yeah, as I said, I really like shooting at those times for my photos. So it motivates me to make sure that I'm going to have my work done so that I can go do that because that's what I love doing yeah. as well. Yeah. How do you find like challenges and things? Like I know I hear a lot of digital nomads talking about the challenges of like Wi-Fi and all of that stuff. <laughs> like what do you have just like a, I don't even know, like a toolkit to how to handle like those sort of more, because traveling is stressful, right? There always, always something goes wrong. I don't know if it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy, but I feel like <laughs> I've either always traveled through Mercury retrograde or I just am <laughs> one of those people that something like a drama traveler. But like, how do you, what's your like toolkit? You know what I mean? Cause I would just, I personally would find that quite stressful if like Wi-Fi wasn't working or, you know, plans changed or hotels canceled and things like that. Like, how do you make sure you're still delivering with the stress of travel? Uh, so I'll do two things. If you sign up for one of those retreats, <clears throat> the people that um, organize them, they take care of all of that for you. So they're going to be responsible for making sure that you have reliable and fast Wi-Fi the entire time, wherever you are. Nice. So that takes that anxiety off. Um, but for me, what I do is I also tend to choose destinations where I know there is going to be decent Wi-Fi. There's quite a few websites for digital nomads where they list like how good the Wi-Fi is, what is the speed like in certain cities so that you can yeah. kind of get a vibe for that. Um, so, and yeah, and then also, so for example, what I would do, let's say for Kenya, like Nairobi has decent internet and then I would fly to one of the more like remote places on the coast for the weekend where they wouldn't always be constant Wi-Fi, which is fine because I'm not going to work that weekend, but then I'll be back in the city where there's going to be decent Wi-Fi, but you can also get these devices. Um, I don't have one, but I've seen a few people do. They're called like Skyroam and these are portable Wi-Fi satellites thing you were bobs that you carry around and then like you just load it up with data and then it can connect wherever you are in the world 
and then you'll have Wi-Fi, which is really cool as well. So really, I feel like the key to digital nomadism, is that even a thing? Digital nomad, <laughs> the digital nomad lifestyle is preparation, right? It's just being prepared. Yeah. So like planning when to do your work, planning when you're going to go to a, say more remote places, like planning, if you are going to go to a remote, there's obviously like tools and devices you can use, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that is it, that is it in, the, in essence. <laughs> so obviously you told your story and I think we've got such a beautiful grasp that, you know, you are a traveler and a photographer, but you also teach people how to do this stuff, right? So you teach people essentially how they can leave their jobs and live this remote lifestyle as well. So mm-hmm. let's, let's, create a scenario <laughs> I'm like I, love to, I don't know if you've ever heard me but I love to role play on my podcast and one of funnily enough one of my most successful podcasts ever it's got like quadruple the amount of the normal downloads is when me and one of my old clients sat down and we like role played the whole time a social media marketing strategy plan <laughs> but oh, wow <laughs> So, okay. So let's say that like someone is sitting in their nine to five right now and they're just like really listening to this podcast episode or, you know, they're watching all of the travel vlogs because digital nomadism, I'm just going to use it. I'm going to claim it. Okay. Apparently it's (laughs) digital nomadism is obviously something that has become like super popular, especially I would say over the last like four or five years. Right. Especially with like a lot of travel content on YouTube, which by the way, I know you're starting to put out vlogs now, which is very exciting. (laughs) Um, but you know, for someone who kind of, cause obviously you're a writer, you're a photographer for someone who maybe like doesn't have like, or doesn't feel like they have one of those skills, but wants to travel the world. Like what are their options? Um, so I would say there's two things you can do. You can go look on the job boards because there's already a lot of stuff on the remote job boards. I have an entire blog post, which has over 40 plus ones that you can look at and I've broken it down into different categories to make it easier for people. But I mean, there's everything from like HR positions to sales positions, marketing, finance, even like remote lawyer jobs and like stuff with esports <laughs> that you can that's get cool. involved in. So that's like really cool. Um, you can just kind of dive into that. And I think also with COVID, a lot of companies are now realizing that they don't need to physically see their employees. So I think there's a lot more companies that are more open to either telecommuting or letting their employees work remotely wherever in the world. So you're also cool. talking about people could get like a traditional kind of like nine to five, yeah. but it's more of a remote job. Yeah. So they yeah, could so do that anywhere way. in the world. Yeah. So that's one way. If you feel like you don't have a skill that's like a freelance skill, you can yeah. still like look at your, your normal job and see how you can translate that into a remote role with a company that does uh, promote working remotely. And then another way that I think you can look at is um, Kelly, which is one of the other SBA students. Like she, her, her course, Ikigai, that she's just released is really amazing because you really like dive down into your skills and your passions and like what you can make money from. And then you can translate those things into a freelance role, whether you want to become like a, a social media manager or, you know, starts coaching like yeah. us or whatever yeah. it is, you can really start to break down that essence of like what you're really passionate about. 
Yeah. And then kind of make money. But that, okay. So say someone did want to go down the like freelancer route. Like, okay. So say someone was sitting in their nine to five and they were good at writing. Maybe that's like a skill that they figured out they actually had, but didn't really know how to like turn that into a freelance business. What are like the first steps they kind of need to take so that they can, and sorry, I'm just, I'm, I love this topic by the way, because this is so far <laughs> remote from what I actually do. I'm so like such a homebody, but like, say when someone starts like building that business as well okay so what are the first steps they need to take but also then like what are like what's the actual road because your program's called road to remote but what's the actual road <laughs> to like then like going fully remote you know what i mean like should one just like <laughs> sell their house and pack up their life like talk me through it all i'm so excited <laughs> okay <laughs> So we'll use the freelance writing example. So like for me, the first step is that you have to have a niche for your freelance writing because that's going to make everything so much easier because you're not going to be like trying to do that whole spray and pray approach. So for example, I've changed my freelancing niche quite a lot. I started with digital marketing, I moved to travel and then during COVID I moved into uh, the CBD niche and now I've gone back into digital marketing and travel because that's picking up again for me. Um, So it's, it's important to have that focus because then you can easily find potential clients that you can cold email or approach on the job boards because you have a very clear direction of who is your ideal clients and who you actually want to work with. And that's going to just take the stress and the anxiety out of finding clients because you're going to have that, that direction, that road <laughs> that you need can to I, go down. And that can, you. can I ask a question? What's, what's in your opinion, like the difference between like a freelancer versus like, say an online business owner, you know what I mean? I feel like they're obviously kind of the, the same thing, but versus to say like what you and I do, as you say, coaches, What's the difference between like a freelancer? I mean, I think they are essentially businesses because at the end of the day, you kind of, as a freelancer, you, you're, you're a business. I mean, you're doing your sales, you're doing your marketing, yeah. all that stuff in order to attract clients to you. You're still building a business. You're doing that ABC model yeah. as a freelancer or an online business coach or online business owner, because you still have to attract people to you, build up that client base, keep those clients happy, you know, generate that revenue for you, for yourself to be able to travel and be able to stay a freelancer. Yeah. Nice. So it really is about like, because as you said, like, so it really is just about like, you know, if you're going to start a business, choosing that niche, choosing what the business actually does, so say mm-hmm. that's freelance writing, you're choosing a niche, what type of clients you're actually doing it for and what it is that you're actually going to be doing. Yeah, I love that. Okay, sorry to cut you off. What's yeah. the next step? <laughs> and once you've got the niche, the next thing that you're going to have to work on is pitching because that is an essential freelancing skill because while you can, even though, even if you are going onto the job boards, there's a hell of a lot of competition on those job boards and you need to know how to pitch yourself in order to stand out and get to the next process of that interview. Or if you're cold emailing, which is when you are sending cold emails to potential clients, you need to be able to write a convincing email that's going to get a response from them in order to grow your business. Um, and yeah, I really love cold emailing. It's how I've managed to get some really like high paying clients compared to like the job boards and stuff like that. So I think for any freelancer, it's really important to know how to sell yourself and like pitch your services to people on email because that's going to help you scale a lot faster than like sitting around on job boards waiting for like that perfect 
job post to appear and then you're yeah. going to be competing from like with anywhere from like 10 to maybe 100 people replying to the wow. same ad yeah um, and yeah and then after that i would say setting up like your freelancing website is really important and making sure that it's very niche specific so when you've pitched to someone and they go click on your portfolio they're going to see that your website matches the niche that they're in as well and they're going to feel like you uh, you know their business and their customer pain points better than anyone else than a general freelancer who's like I can write about anything because I think you know I would rather work with someone who's maybe specializes in travel writing to help me with like my travel blog rather than a freelancer yeah. that says they can write about anything because I want them to, I want to know that they have that specialized knowledge because it's going to reduce the amount of time I have to train them teach them about my niche or my customer pain points yeah. and yeah let's say like those are the three things as your niche um, professional websites and then learning how to pitch are like the three main things to help you kick yeah. off your, your freelancing websites and then I mean, your so, freelancing career. <laughs> and then so should someone kind of like build up, I guess, a bit of a runway or something, you know, for the person who's sitting in a nine to five job, maybe they've started securing a few jobs here and there. Like when can they know it's my question from before is like, when can they know it's right to actually like quit their job and starting to go travel? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I started um, with a few clients on the side when I was teaching English and then I kind of built up that network. So when I got back to South Africa, I had enough uh, work coming in that I could quit um, you know, I didn't like, I didn't have a full-time job, but like not go look for a full-time job because I was getting enough work coming in. So I think like that's always the safest thing to do is to get those clients coming in. And like once that momentum starts building, then you can decide, okay, I have enough um, secure income coming in. I can quit my full-time job and then start traveling. Yeah. And I don't so, know. If, I don't know if this is like a quite a different question for every single person, or if it's maybe too much of a personal question. I don't know, but I feel like it'll be fine. How much roughly does it cost to like live a digital nomadic lifestyle? You know what I mean. So like to travel long term, what's like the kind of? I guess it's going to be different for every country, but if there's like a ballpark figure, uh, I think it it depends on your traveling style and the country because if you do what I did in the beginning where I was doing the more backpacker thing, like I was just having a private room and a backpackers that makes it super affordable because you know, uh, what is it in dollars? Um, you probably stay at a hostel for I suppose 20 US dollars. I hope that's right. I don't know the conversion, um, which is really affordable, but if you're going to be staying like at Airbnbs, um, you know, at villas and stuff like that, obviously that's going to increase the amount that you spend monthly. When you go on those digital nomad retreats, those usually start at anywhere from like 1,500 US to 200, to 2000 us dollars per month so that's like quite a jump and that really like depends on your travel style are you going to be able to afford that because there's like southeast asia is super affordable and you can you don't have to have a lot of money to be able to survive and thrive there but it also depends if you are comfortable staying in more budget accommodation do you want to stay more mid-range more luxury also like what activities are you wanting to do are you going to stick to free activities are you gonna do you want to do tours do you need to hire a car or hire a bike or is the the place where you're going to is it walkable is there like affordable public transports like all that stuff that comes the game there. really comes down to planning right <laughs> yeah it's yeah planning and personal preference and like what 
is going to make you feel comfortable at the end of the day. Because if you hate backpackers, then obviously yeah. checking into a backpackers for a month <laughs> to live there is going to like drive you nuts. So then you have to know, okay, cool. I need to make sure I'm earning X amount so that I can afford to stay in a private Airbnb the entire time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So it really comes out. I love that. You, I want to get back to what you said before because you said something that shocked me, which was I love sending cold emails. I've never heard anyone <laughs> say that before, ever. I know obviously like so many people have like a real fear around pitching and putting themselves out there, specifically emailing people with cold emails like how do you overcome that fear of rejection? Cause I know that's a big reason why a lot of people don't do it. Right. Yeah. So I was definitely like, definitely like that in the beginning. Um, I was, I did a course with this woman called Jordan Roper and she taught me all about cold emailing and I was like really against it. I was like watching all the, the, the videos and be like, this woman is crazy <laughs> saying cold emails to people. <laughs> like what the hell is this? Like so stressful and embarrassing. Like no one's going to reply to me. <laughs> um, but then I was like, you know what? She's telling me this is going to work. I'm just going to try it. And I sat down and I just sent out like a whole bunch of emails because it is a numbers game, essentially. Like not everyone is going to reply to your emails. Yeah. Um, so sat, sat down and did that. And then the next part of it is to follow up with people, which I think is worse than sending the first cold email because now this person hasn't responded to you the first time. So there's all that anxiety, like, am I bothering them? If I send them a follow-up email, they're going to hate me. <laughs> they're going to send me a nasty email and <laughs> tell me to get lost. You know, there's all those thoughts that come up with it. But um, what I noticed is that when I follow up with people, that's usually when I close the sale. Wow, um, really? Which yeah, which is interesting. Um, so I always tell like my students, like, just do the follow up because that's when you're going to actually see a response and you're going to start getting clients. And those few students that have done my pitching course and actually done that, they've all said that they've closed their deals on the the follow-up email which is interesting and <laughs> exciting for them that's so um, interesting and here's the thing as well like from the other perspective i get i'm gonna say like i don't even know because i don't even look at the general inbox anymore but like <laughs> i'm gonna say like at least 10 pitches a day of people who want to like pitch their services and stuff and i get a lot of follow-ups as well but because it was so funny what you said before. I know it's such an ingrained fear within people. It's like, oh, this person's going to hate me or I'm bothering them. But like, even if like they don't reply, because I just obviously can't reply to all of them. But mm -hmm. it's not a matter of like being bothered anyway. I think when people don't respond to you, they just delete it. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's like, you probably never even like recross their radar. They're just like, no, sorry, I don't need that and just delete it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. So yeah, I think it is a bit of a mental block. It's a limiting belief that you do like, have to work through. Um, but yeah, since I think also when you do it more and more, it gets less and less scary. And when, when you start getting a response from, from people and you get that first client and you start seeing that it's working, it kind of just reduces that fear um, and that anxiety around sending that, those cold emails. Um, when you have that niche and you're cold emailing to people that are in that niche that you're targeting, it's not a spammy email. You're creating an email that's tailored to their business. And I think that's just going to always get you a much more positive response. Because I also get a lot of pitches in my inbox, but it's for random stuff. Like people pitch me urine testing for my travel blog. What? And I'm like, I'm like, have you been onto my website? This is bizarre. <laughs> 
And like, you're in testing. Yeah, on a travel blog. I was like, this is obviously you've never looked at my website and you're just like sending so many emails to everyone. And like, that's going to give me like a bad taste in my mouth. And like, well, you know, I would have a negative feeling towards that person sending that email. You know, uh, if I compare that to people that are in the travel niche and they'll pitch me like a guest post or pitch me something travel related, you know, that's my niche. So I'm going to be more open to it. And they're going to probably get a positive response from me because there's that synergy. It's not just random. It's not random. And it feels personal, right? I got a pitch the other day from someone who called me Eric. And I was like, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, not, it's not surprising how many times this happens. <laughs> yeah. um, what's like the anatomy of a perfect pitch? Like how does one... First of all, how does one go about writing one of these personal pitches? Because I so agree with you. Like, I get so many pitches and they seem so impersonal. Like, I am sorry, but I do, like, sometimes, most of the time I just delete them, but there is every so often I'll look at a pitch and it'll be from someone, you're right, like, A, I don't even have any other bloggers on my website. Like, it's just literally me sharing my <laughs> podcast. And then I'll get someone pitching, like, how to how to something about like a, like it's still within the business niche but it's so far like you can tell they just haven't looked at my website they've just found me through like business or something on instagram um but yeah what's the anatomy of like i know you've obviously got a course on this but just as kind of like an overview like how can someone go about personalizing it so it is eye-catching so the first thing is to always state your niche so they can be like hi my name is lauren and i'm i'm a professional digital marketing freelance writer and then I would go into establishing your authority so this is where you can start name dropping so you can be like I've worked with Neil Patel I've written for co-schedule I've written for x y and z who are in that same industry niche because that shows that you have that authority and that you know what you're talking about you can also demonstrate this authority or this expertise <clears throat> and by talking about your education. So if you've studied digital marketing and you have a degree in it, you know, mention that because that also shows that you understand that topic better than like a random person who's just sending them an email. And then I would also follow that up with niche specific examples. So uh, you can either, if you don't have any, I always recommend that you just write some and then just host them on your portfolio site. That's what I did for my CBD stuff, when I started getting into it at the beginning of this year, I had no uh, content on CBD, but I knew a lot about that topic. So I wrote two blog posts and then I use those in my pitches and to land clients. And then that got me a lot of paid work. I even got like published in Matador Network about the article about CBD and marijuana, which was really cool. Um, so even though I had no previous experience writing on those topics um, elsewhere, yeah. by putting in that time and efforts to create those niche specific examples so that the client could read to see how I talk about that topic and you know, how I, you know, lay out my blog posts, then that helped me secure the bag and get more clients in that niche. Yeah. Right. Cause I was going to ask like, what does someone do if they don't have previous work that they've done? But I love that idea. So they basically just write a bunch of articles. Actually, it's funny because when, um, 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. They were teaching us about brand deals in a recent YouTube thing that I was a part of. They were saying, you know, if you if you hadn't had previous brand deals that you could kind of show a brand, just make a kind of brand deal video yourself. So that's a really good strategy to just like showcase what you can do, even if it's not technically mm-hmm. for someone else, right? Yeah. And you can do that whether you're a freelance writer or a graphic designer or whatever. You can just create a mock-up that you can use. And if you do have uh, previous work experience also include testimonials or links to your testimonials like in your pitches for potential clients to read because um, as we all know people don't trust you they trust other people you know that's why we've got such a rise in influencer marketing and stuff like that and people really trust those recommendations from their friends so when you can show have that social proof which I know you talk about as well a lot then it makes that sale so much easier And if you haven't worked with anyone before, I also tell my students, you can also approach people and offer to work for free for a limited time, but just long enough to get a testimonial. And then you can transition them onto a paid model after that free period. Yeah, right. Um, One other thing was like, how do people go about like finding people to pitch to? Do you know what I mean? So like going with the freelance writer example now, by the way, everyone listening, we're literally just giving you a full strategy to <laughs> leave your job <laughs> and go travel. So, <laughs> But obviously, if you want the actual step-by-step details, you need to go follow Lauren and check out her programs because they're amazing. But how, yeah, like how, like, do you go onto their websites? Like how do you actually find people to pitch to? So if besides like the job boards, if you're cold emailing, um, there's quite a few ways that you can do this. Number one is you can go into Google and you can Google your niche. So for example, maybe CBD companies in Atlanta, <laughs> and then you can see what comes up and then you can go into their website. And I always recommend like reading through their website, you know, checking if they have a blog, if they don't have a blog, trying to find those gaps that you can also add to your pitch. So For example, if I see they do have a blog, I will go and look through their blog posts and see what topic they haven't covered that I could potentially add to my pitch as well. So they can also see that I've taken the time and effort to go through their stuff and pitch them an idea that's unique and that they haven't really published on their blog. And to find their email addresses, I'll either check their websites If there's nothing on their website, I'll go onto LinkedIn, find the company on LinkedIn, see the employees and try to find the person that makes the hiring decisions. So for a freelance writer, it's usually the marketing manager or the content manager that will be hiring writers and see if they've got the email listed on their LinkedIn profile or connect with them there. There's also this really cool Google, Google Chrome, uh, extension it's called clearbits and it syncs with your gmail so you click on it and then you type in a company name and then it pulls up everyone's emails and as well as their job titles and i found like yeah and i found like that's the most accurate tool that gives you uh, quite a lot of email addresses to work with it's not just like info at you know company name.com and 
if Google's not working for you, you can also go into Instagram and type your niche in there again. So for example, digital marketing, uh, see what comes up, what companies come up and go find company profiles, find their websites and do that whole process again. And then lastly is <laughs> LinkedIn. What you can do on LinkedIn is if you go onto the search bar and you can just type in your niche again, like CBD, and then you filter the results by people and then by second degree connections. And then what you have is a list of people that are potentially within the CBD niche that are second degree connections. So then you can ask your mutual friend on LinkedIn to introduce you. So then that's also less cold because there's that mutual connection there and it's almost a referral and referrals are like super powerful for freelancers because once again people don't trust you they trust the other person more so yeah and there's also this other website it's called angel list and it's for startup companies uh, to post like jobs but they also have a list of companies like a database of companies on that website so you can filter by your niche as well and then get a whole list of companies within your niche that you can also start cold emailing that's awesome that's awesome holy crap you just like basic say <laughs> i hope you had a pen listening to that because that's like that's so much value but i want to know i want to know from you like what is it about traveling that you enjoy so much because obviously you know as i was hearing you talk there like the reason why i wanted to ask this question because as i was hearing you talk there like Obviously, it does take, um, you know, a lot of putting yourself out there, a lot of personal growth, as does any business, of course. But I know a lot of people specifically do the type of work that you're talking about doing so that they can fulfill their travel dreams and their travel destiny. But like, mm -hmm. what is it about traveling that you find so addictive? I just, I think I just get such a dopamine rush from going to a new place and exploring it and I like being able to be there more than two weeks or more than a week, you know, because that's what usually happens. Like when, if you're working a nine to five, you only have, I think what, 20 leave days a year, which is nothing. So it doesn't give you a lot of time to actually explore a place and get to know it beyond the tourist traps or the main tourist attractions, for example. So yeah, my favorite thing is to go to a place for at least a month and really take my time getting to know that city you know, all that country, see, finding places that are a bit more off the beaten track, you know, finding the more local places as well, getting out of like the main touristy spots and just like really taking my time with that destination and like absorbing the culture and exploring it as much as I can to its fullest. So it doesn't feel like, I don't know, like a fly by night travel experience where you can stay for like, two weeks and then it's just like go 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 yeah and then you're back home. as much in as possible yeah yeah you've made me really want to go travel somewhere for really long now it's so hard when you have that. <laughs> I feel so bad I miss hard <laughs> oh thank you so much honestly this was so much fun you've not only given me like a travel bug but also I just feel like you gave so so much value like I know there are so many women because I constantly ask my audience like what is it that you want why are you building your business what are you doing and like I would say that like 50% of the people are because they want to see the world they want that freedom they want like to be able to travel and I feel like so many people they think it's so much harder than it actually is. And you're one of those people that I know, obviously, you know, as you described, like it definitely takes some work and putting yourself out there and overcoming that. 
But I feel like so many people think they have to be millionaires or, you know, multi running multi-million dollar companies before they can like travel the world or anything like this. And I feel like it's so amazing the work that you do because you really do, do teach people that travel is accessible and that really anyone, if that's the desired life that you want, anyone can do it right. You just got to put the work in. Yeah, that's so true. I have my one uncle and he's, he's quite wealthy. He's got quite a, a big business and he's just like confused in general about how I travel so much. He's like, but where do you find this money? Like, you don't need millions of dollars to be able to travel. Um, it really is quite affordable if you are, have, if you've got a full-time income and you're not, you don't have to pay rents, you know, like, I mean, if you're traveling and you're not paying rents at home and you're not paying for petrol, you're not paying for a car and all those things, then you also have a bit more money to work with when you are traveling. And if you're really strategic with your destinations and you're not doing, you know, maybe like the US or Australia, which I've heard are quite like expensive destinations to live, the cost of living is quite high. If you go for more low income countries you know like bali or even south africa is actually quite affordable for some uh, for you guys i think with the currency exchange then it becomes a lot easier to stretch your money yeah than other destinations yeah i love that so much i just love everything that you're about your instagram always makes me just want to get on a plane even though <laughs> i can't do that right now i can't even move five k's of my house but <laughs> honestly everyone you need to go follow lauren she's like got so much inspiration for you because not only is she going to inspire you to actually want to go travel and see the world and just see incredible places but she actually teaches you how to do that which is really rare for a lot of the travel influencers out there i think they just inspire you and leave you hanging so i love the work that you do thank you so much for this what is going on for you in your business right now like where can everyone find you what can they buy from you talk us through it all <laughs> Okay, well, you can find me on Instagram at the Wonderlust Movement. That's where I'm active the most. And yeah, you, um, I think I'm launching Road to Remote, which is my signature six-week course, which teaches you how to build a location-independent business at the end of November. So you can sign up for the waitlist now. Or if you're already got a business and you just want to work on your pitching i have a pitching toolkit it's called the pitch perfect toolkit and it's a masterclass. it's an hour and a half masterclass that will teach you everything that you need to know to be able to pitch effectively and start getting customers like through cold emailing and yeah and if you are south african <laughs> um, i'm doing a retreat at the beginning of november with one of my road to remote students Gemma wild we're going to be having a weekend getaway where you can go learn how to get more comfortable in front of the camera how to use your camera photo editing as well as styling so yeah so good <laughs> i love it thank you so much lauren honestly i love this chat so much i'm so interested in like i could ask twenty thousand more questions about this stuff because like i said i basically don't leave my house but anyway i love you so much thank you so much for coming on the podcast it was so amazing to have you thank you so much for having me erin it was so much fun now, if that did not make you want to pack your bags and go on a holiday, I mean, borders being closed aside, I don't know what will. Honestly, even just re-listening to that episode, it just honestly makes me want to, you know, chuck everything into a van and go travel around Australia or something like that. But 
If you are someone who is interested in that digital nomad lifestyle, if you are someone who wants to travel and have that kind of freedom, I hope this episode shows you that it's not as difficult as we make it out to be, you know, because I think we think that traveling in terms of going on a holiday can be ultra expensive, but traveling is a whole different game. And especially when you're working, you can obviously be a freelancer or start your own business. There are so many ways if that's truly the calling that you have for your life and you want to see the world like Lauren does. All right. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. Definitely go check Lauren out on social media. Of course, share this episode on your Instagram stories if you did enjoy it and tag us both so we can see that you are listening. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today and I will see you in the next episode. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.